When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for downloading the Manchester Football Social with me, Alex Boardman, and him, Ant McGinley. When you say download, do you mean print it off? <laughs> That's a, You're calling back a joke that if you're listening to the podcast, it's not you a won't joke. hear it's for a, 40 minutes. It's a true thing, but yeah, all right, you'll find out in a minute. You'll find out what he means in 40 minutes with that joke he's just called back. Anyway... So, we talk today about City, who've just played Chelsea at home. We talk about United, Fulham. We've got some great callers on. We use our sports journalist to the absolute extreme. We get his expertise. Yeah, we rinse him. It's a, I was impressed yet again with Niall. Thank goodness someone on this show knows what they are on about. <laughs> and this, the third section of the show is just Niall just takes over and we're just open mouthed going, yeah. how does he know all this? And we're going to do some more of that. We're going to grill him a bit more at the end because there's some really scary things happening if you're a Bolton or a Bury fan. But thanks for downloading. Here's the show. Manchester Football Social. Oh, I'm in a good mood. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social. My name's Ant McGinley. I'm a City fan. With me, Alex Boardman, representing yes. Man United. And I'm a United fan, which is the proper way. That's the <laughs> proper way to be. Do you want some headlines? Yes, let's do it. Okay, City. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this. City have gone back to the top of the league after a have narrow... They? A narrow 6-0 victory over Chelsea. What was that that score again? 6-0 over Chelsea at home. Chelsea's biggest ever defeat in the Premier League era. Mm. Chelsea were lucky to get nil as well. They were poor. (laughs) Uh, United are up into fourth. Uh, in the Champions League spot that looked impossible only eight, nine weeks ago. Uh, as, as did the Champions League game they've got up ahead. Yeah, everything's looking rosy for United as well. United beat Fulham 3-0, so they're up to fourth. And they've now actually, as well as having a point extra than Chelsea, they've got better goal difference thanks to the other result. In other news, uh, Oldham look set to appoint Paul Scholes tomorrow as the manager. And both Bolton and Berry this week have survived winding up orders. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And uh, the the Skulls thing has been rolling on for a while because we talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? We did. It was about two, three weeks ago when the the idea of Skulls being the manager first broke. But he only got clearance from the league on Friday afternoon. This is be- 
because of his involvement with other clubs and with Salford, Salford City. City yeah, you have to get special clearance. So this is your show. It's uh, your chance to get involved and get your a your views on the show. Not just listen to me and him rabbit known about stuff. Get involved. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five. Or you can find us on your social media at MCR Footy Social. So shall we start with City then? Why not? They've just finished. All right, Brian's on the line. Brian, do you think this means City are going to steamroll all the way to the end of the season then? Yeah, pretty obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, what a game that was today. You know, I saw the... Um, I, w- I, went, I wasn't there today because we're doing the show, but last season I went to the same fixture and Chelsea just kept 11 men behind the ball. They didn't try. We still came away. I think it was 1-0, maybe 2-0, but th- they actually went for it today. Chelsea looked pretty good in the first few minutes and then... We just changed gear. What what was the key to it today? I've not got a clue because the same, like you just said, then the same thing happened at Chelsea, where we smashed them in the first half. They, they didn't touch the ball, and then come back and bang two in against us. So I think the same thing today, but for some reason we just finished. It's yeah. Brilliant. Wasn't that the game? The one who in the season can say scored on the stroke of half time, didn't he? With Chelsea's first kick. And yeah. To be to be fair, before City even scored, I think Aguero had missed. Or maybe it was one though, and he, it could no, have been seven what, or eight. What a miss that was from Aguero was. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> was was was, it, was he the standout player today? Because obviously uh, Sterling got a couple of goals, a couple of assists uh, for uh, De Bruyne as well. Who was who was making it work today? Or was it just another great team performance? I think so as well. But I, I, I loved Sterling. I thought Sterling was outstanding today. I think he was uh, definitely up there for man of the match for me. But De Bruyne as well. De Bruyne was, and Sinchen- even Sinchenko played well. I thought he had a good match as well today. So, do you think, Brian, that City City are the bookies' favourites now? Are you a hundred percent confident? Because Liverpool looked all right on match of the day last night as well. They had quite a decent victory. Yeah, I think as a City fan, you can never be hundred percent, can you? You know, no. There's always that uh, thing, everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I'm, uh, after just smashing six past Chelsea, I mean, it's Chelsea, isn't it? Regardless, it, it's still Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we're definitely going to do it. And Champions League this week as well. Schalke, everyone's saying this has been an easy tie. We're away for the first leg. Yeah. Any any doubts, any fears? No, no, no. So when I saw the draw, it was a chuffed to bits because uh, I don't think we could have got an easier draw. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. I've got no problems. Nice, easy round in then. And what do you think is going to happen now? Because obviously we've got exactly the same fixture in two weeks at Wembley, City against Chelsea, Carabao Cup. What do you reckon is going to happen there? Again, I don't know. Because I was looking at the fixtures and I was just thinking that uh, you never know in the Cup, do you? I mean, Wigan, you'd have, you'd have, you'd have thought we'd have smashed Wigan. But, yeah, you never know. You never know. It's Cup. It's a final. You never know. All right, Brian. Well, thanks very much for getting in touch with us and uh, we'll see you soon, all right? Nice one. Thanks very much. Thanks, Brian. Brian sounded very confident there. If you're uh, feeling the same as he is, 0345-111-7625. What a game there. And also as well now, I know these have not been all in the Premier League because that's the first thing that you're going to say, but that is the ninth time this season that in a competitive game, City have scored more than five goals. Yeah, well, you still only get three points for it, don't you? So, I mean, I don't know what that obsession's all about. But th- we were just talking before, the fact is our goal difference now, as it stands, is currently plus 10 over Liverpool, which could be as good as a point if it comes down to could it. Could be. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it will. It's very rare it ever comes down to the, points. The thing is, however, like we, I know we chatted to Brian, Brian was very confident there. The, the thing is, when it comes down to it, 
All we can do at the minute is just keep out, keep going out and keep winning. We still need Liverpool to slip up at some point for us to win. Well, what's interesting for me about City currently, because I've had to endure watching all the games because you keep coming around to my house because you've not even got your own sky. So you keep coming around going, can we watch the football? And I'm like, but to be honest, it looks I, like City will win this. I'd rather watch anything else. I have to say, it. your wife is very accommodating considering her reaction when I first came round. Which she still feels the same way, but now <laughs> but she started cooking for me and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, but she's like, oh. She's like, are we going out this Sunday? No ants coming around to watch City again. <laughs> But uh, what's been really noticeable for me, um, especially over the last couple of weeks, is Aguero has almost been playing his way back into fitness and now he's probably five, six games since he came back and he looks really, really sharp. Like today when he missed, he did miss a sitter. I think City might already have been 1-0 up actually. Um, but he missed a sitter and you were like, oh, that's very unusual. Two minutes later, he yeah. absolutely bangs one in the top corner and you're like, that's more like it. And he, he looked like as good as he's ever looked today. And I and think... Th and that goal as well, outside the box, which is... Unusual yeah, yeah, that most of our Most of our goals have come in the box in the last couple of seasons under Pep. Mm. And it's only been the likes of De Bruyne that have been scoring out. And again, it was a bit of a bitty start. He kind of... The ball was at his feet. He was struggling to get it over. He kind of leaned back. You weren't sure what he was going to do. It kind of came from nowhere. Yeah, hit and hope. That's what you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a great goal. The only um, sort of downside is quite a similar thing I didn't think Salah started the season particularly well for Liverpool mm. uh, and then he's just played his way and played his way and again he's looking like the player he was last season so he almost I mean it's always a bit too fanciful and simplistic to go it's going to be a shootout between Salah and Aguero but I honestly think if whichever one of those maintains this form they're currently in, I don't see I don't see City losing when Aguero plays like that and I don't see Liverpool really losing, except to United, when Salah plays like that. So it would be really interesting. Really, uh, really interesting. The, the thing with Chelsea, when they came up, they, they had Higuain playing. That's the first time I've really got to see Higuain play. And uh, he started, at the start of it, the first 10, 20 minutes looked quite promising. I'd, mm. I'd one pretty decent shot in that first half as well. But obviously he wasn't getting the supply, he wasn't getting that, it didn't really see him come into no, the game. No, and Hazard as well. I think they actually said in commentary how long will Hazard last? I think that was in the radio commentary when we were, we were arriving at the station. You can't see him, because he, he looked the best Chelsea player for about half an hour. And then as they get another goal down and another goal down, he stops looking for the ball the same way and he stops trying to beat men and he's kind of like, well, this game, we're 3-0 down, we're 4-0 down, it's over. So... Will Chelsea be able to hold on to Hazard next it's, season? It's crazy as well. The, the the difference in that result, I know we talked about it a little bit on the call just then about the, the, the game last season, but more specifically, the December game when we were at Chelsea, we've gone from, uh, you know, battering them a little bit, not putting the chances away, ended up losing two goals on the break and losing uh, in the middle of a bad, starting a bad run for us, really. And then we switched it around to that. I, I don't see us losing that momentum before the cup final, which, you know, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't like to see a cup final that one-sided. I don't think you will. Cause, and I think, I, I don't think Chelsea will play that badly again. Also, Chelsea's tactics seemed quite strange because Chelsea are not a side in a big game like this who traditionally would commit so many men going forward. But they just didn't seem to... I mean, the defending was really poor for, for one or two of the goals, like especially on the wings. But they also seem to be like plowing four or five men forward and City are phenomenal on the break. And it was like, you know, you're away, Chelsea. You've already um, beaten them at home. 
So if you could even have, have gone to City and gotten a draw, that would have been a very, very good result to take four points off the champions. That's like an amazing season in it for any team. So it, they surprised me a little bit. But I, there was a lot of talk again on the telly, wasn't there, about Sarri, is he, is he be able to communicate fully with the players and... That Sarri ball. Yeah. I, I, see, I love this whole thing. And I wonder, did he go, I'm just going to call it Sarri ball, right? And that, could we have Boardman ball or McGinley yeah. ball? It's just the way you play. I mean, if we were doing that, it wouldn't be particularly good. If you want to give us a call, by the way, get your thoughts in. Maybe you've been watching the game. Maybe you're listening to it. Uh, maybe you're at the game. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five or 877 on the text. Uh, one thing I was very impressed with as well, it almost seemed that, Every time we scored, and then every time we were defending, it was almost like the whole team was in whichever box it was happening. You know, they mm. really like they completely. I, I think we're at peak Guardiola now. You know, I think we we're, we are doing as a side everything that Guardiola wants. It's taken him a while to get. Obviously, we had a great season last year. We've had some ups and downs this year, but more than ever, I think some of the even though it's been a more competitive season, I think some of the football that we've been playing to watch is even better this season than it was last. Yeah, can, could be. But they, they do still, to me, look a little vulnerable because you're looking at it through your blue-tinted glasses and thinking everything's perfect. They're still, even at 1-0, and even after Aguero scored, I was like, Chelsea will be back in this. Chelsea could make this 2-1. And, and it was a poor performance by Chelsea today. Also, let's not forget, um, Tottenham beat Leicester earlier today. So Tottenham are not out of it by any means well this this was the thing you sit down and you look at the maths and you look at the table if you could pull the table up and, and look at it because I'm doing it from memory here but as as we are as we stand so uh, City are back on top on goal difference as the, as it is yeah um, and then but the problem is is that we're five points ahead of Tottenham but Tottenham are still going to play United sorry Tottenham are still going to play Liverpool and City and they could potentially take points off both of us yeah and let's face it the way they've been seeing this season it's not going to be a draw no no this is the way it stands currently City played 27 65 points Liverpool only played 26 65 points that game in hand um, will be at Old Trafford uh, which uh, yeah and that's the next time Liverpool play which is another factor because Liverpool now I think have 12 days off because yeah. well, no, they've got they have got um, Bayern Munich well, uh, yeah. in the Champions it's League. Not, not real game. Well, I don't. I even don't know if they will take that as the priority. I think Liverpool's priority is the league. I really do. I think if you said to any Liverpool man, think if you said to Klopp, you can you can take uh, a run in the Champions League, or you can you can be you can win the league. I think they'd always go for the league. Tottenham five points behind. Uh, City, they've also got a game in hand. So that could be, you know, that could be down to two. So Tottenham will have a big say, as of course will United, who have got to play City, looking like it's towards the end of the season uh, at Old Trafford. And they've also got to play Liverpool, which will be the next league game. Are you frightened now about playing City? No. Even after that result today? As not you, at all. Don't care. Not really? at all. Yeah, not at all. Because United, so, United are playing fantastically well. United are playing brilliantly well. So it's more a case of I'm eager for it and I wish it was... I wish we had Liverpool and City as the next two games. Isn't I, that, I feel like United are flying. Isn't that an incredible change? Because when mm. we started the check, we only started doing this show in December. And we had, I think our second show was... The three-one, the, the the United and and Liverpool, and just before we started, 
we went to the Derby at the Etihad. And both those performances for you just left you miserable. They were awful. Yeah, they just didn't turn up. They didn't. They didn't play tactically. We were like we didn't have a clue, um, and it was looking like oh well. The season was over after the City game. The season was over. I don't think the season ever really got started within the league. Um, but now it feels like it just feels like the old United's back, and it's the first time since Ferguson's left that it's felt everything is feeling right and that's including when Mourinho won the the old UEFA Cup and it's including when we won the League Cup and when Van Gaal won the FA Cup there were still tons and tons of problems and I mean this this week we've just signed Ashley Young on another one year deal Phil Jones tied to I can't remember five if years a, yeah I think five year five deal year. for Phil Jones which yeah. people would not have believed had you said that a couple no. of months ago however giving me his due he played, he played well midweek and also I keep hearing is that just so that when it comes to selling, he, he's got some still sort of good value. for Phil Jones or at the, at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he played. He played well. Smalling played well this weekend. The question. The question is: Is Tuesday night PSG now? Not just about a few months ago, but I think this is the first time in a few seasons United are going into a game against a European giant like that, where you're kind of going, yeah, they could have this. Well, they did beat Juventus away at Juventus. That was earlier in this season. So, but that that was that was not expected the way United were no, playing at the time. No, it wasn't. It wasn't super. Although they were on a mini revival around that time, and also when I think when you play an Italian side as well, you're very unlikely unless you play an AC Milan in the eighties to expect them to score three, four, five goals past you. It's just not the Italian way, especially in Europe. But I was dreading when this draw came out, and I think Mourinho um, played. The, utterly the wrong team and they played really really badly away at Valencia they were also terrible at home earlier against Valencia so United could have and should have definitely talked to that group and for some reason they just didn't turn up and it meant we got PSG instead of a slightly easier draw and it was like well that's it we're out now and that's what you deserve for the way you played against Valencia but it's it's looking like you know other things are aligning as well Neymar's injured yeah Cavani uh, got question injured mark, at the Big weekend. question mark over him. Yep. Yeah, um, so he could be in, could be out. But of but, the... I mean, what does that leave them with? Only Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, but that's like taking Liverpool's fantastic front, front three. Right. Even if you take one of those out, it's not the same Liverpool side. So you can't just simply... Report. Firstly, Neymar um, is, despite the diving, one of the best players on the planet. So not to be playing against him is yeah. fantastic news. Um, and then the same with Cavani. He's absolutely lethal. Can we can we just say happy birthday to Neymar as well? It was his 27th birthday this week. I don't know if you saw this. He had a uh, Nuit Rouge party. So everybody dressed in red. And he gave a little speech where he uh, the, he made a birthday wish. And do you know what he wished for? To be not injured. <laughs> a new metatarsal. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if we could have a round and send him one, but... Uh... So th there's a little bit of news um, sort of coming in as we as we speaking really about the Chelsea City game. Um, firstly, uh, Sarri went straight down the tunnel, didn't shake hands with Guardiola. Oh, all... the nasty man. Get him out. <laughs> Which I think, you, do you know what? That's one of those things where you go, it's terrible. He might just be waiting in the tunnel. He might just want to be, he might be so angry he's going to wait. And... And, and there could be a little bit of theatrics and mind games there. And it's that kind of like, all for the TV, all for the camera. And let's be honest, we love that. When that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, you even go way back to the whole John Terry not, and Wayne Bridge. Are they going to shake hands? Hmm. You know, 
So that's fine. Um, however, this is slightly surprising. 1.2% of all the goals Chelsea have ever conceded in the Premier League have come in their last three away games. What? That's <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? What a statistic. Because they've never been out of the Premier League. So they've been in the Premier League since 1992. Yep. Right, quick bit of maths. That's 27. This is the 27th season in the Premier League, or 26th season. Yeah, that's right. And in the last three games, wow. 1.2%. So that that's sorry out is that what that means is that i mean niall in the office if you ever call us and give us give you call the studio uh the first person you speak to is usually niall oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five and he said he's not a chelsea fan he said if i was sorry i would walk after this because you can't be the manager of a club like that and lose six nil no well the last three games uh the last three away games for chelsea have been a two nil defeat against arsenal which won't have gone down well because it's a London derby, we all know. The 4-0 defeat to Bournemouth, which is absolutely um, mind-blowing, really, to think a, a team in fourth would lose 4-0 to Bolton. And then six against City, so that's 12. So that's an aggregate of 4-0 in your last three away games. And Niall, Niall is convinced that Sarri will just walk away tonight if... If not that happened, he thinks um, they might just sack him, which is absolutely mental. Bizarre. Especially Three weeks ago, fourth, absolutely, you know, no problem. Yeah. They're going to be fourth. Especially as they've just given him money to get Higuain in on loan as well. Yeah. Um, and getting getting a player in loan. I learned this uh, earlier, that it's not just as simple as, you know, when you go to the bank for a loan, you just sign some forms and that's it and you get the money. It's like when you get a player in loan, you don't just sign some, you've got to pay a lot. Like some of these loan deals are like six, seven million. Yeah, yeah, you're paying the, the wages. Them. You pay the the player's wages normally and Higuain's not going to be like, you know, it's not like when I used to work at Sainsbury's. <laughs> 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 um, well, to be honest, the way they're going, they might end up signing. He you might. This, right? Yeah. He might. All right, so 6-0 for City. It was also 3-0 for United yesterday against Fulham. And we're going to talk all about United in a moment. So if you want to get involved with that, uh, give us a call, 0345-111-7625. Or you can get involved on the social media. I sound so old then. It's like it's like when my mum says, will you download that for me? Meaning, will you print it? Uh, at MCR Footy Social. And we'll be back with that next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. So it's a great weekend to be a supporter of either of the Manchester Blues or Reds. And this is why. Yeah, yeah. Well, City have just beat Chelsea 6-0, which puts City back on top. Uh, level one points with Liverpool. City have played a game more, but they, the goal difference is now 10 better. And United beat Fulham 3-0 yesterday, which puts United in fourth. Incredibly. Two goals for Pogba as well. Two goals for Pogba, one for Martial yesterday. Yeah. Solskjaer's 10 out of 11 wins, and the and, other result uh, was a draw. Yeah, and for City today, it was Gundogan, Sterling with two, and uh, another hat-trick for Sergio Aguero. You know who else got a hat-trick this week? Mm, no. Me! What with? With that Power League, five oh, sides. Yeah, that's, yeah, you mentioned that three or four times on the way in. All right. And was not bothered then on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, United United were good yesterday. United were really, Looking really good. very good, and it makes PSG look doable. Yeah, it, well, more than more than doable. Do we have Jamie on the line? Yeah, Jamie, you're a United fan. What did you reckon of the game yesterday? Uh, well, it's, yeah, it was, um, it was a great result. I, I was, I'm quite pessimistic just from the, the last... Six years of abuse that we've had to endure. 
and even yesterday when I saw like Smiling and Jones of getting me prayer beads out, spraying holy water and stuff, because <laughs> uh, I still think they've got mistakes in them. I thought, you know, making so many changes, it might just disjoint the fluency that we've had. But um, Fulham made it easy for us, but we, we still showed up. I think you touched on it before, just flashes of the of the old United, um, especially Pogba, and uh, I, I really liked a lot as well. He was just direct. He played really well. There was a, there was a moment in the first half. I don't know if you saw it. It was probably only about ten minutes in, and it was still nil nil. And he skipped the fullback with a lovely little step over him, tried to put a decent cross in, and it was like we've not had that for a long time. He just he bombed at them and um, got a free kick about 20, 20, 30 seconds in. It was really, really direct. I think um, it's a bit naive and in, people run off him really easily, I think, but I mm. think that will grow as he's, he's only had a handful of first-team games in his career. So that uh, defensive nous will, will come um, as he gets older and matures. But he's, he's, the raw abilities are there for him. really excited by him. So yeah. can, can I just ask you where you got your prayer beads and your holy water from? Because like if you're doing that before every game, it's having a great effect on Paul Bogba. I'm sure there's other people out there that want that. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, got, uh, I was watching it at my grand's house. Um, so I was, as soon as seeing the team sheet, I thought, I think we're going to, I think we're going to um, struggle. Because uh, I, I thought Fulham would show more fight, if I'm honest. I and, did. I did. Yeah, they were poor. Some, kind of. some of the changes, to, to talk through the changes, Dawa was a change at right back. You'd got two different centre-halves, Jones and Smalling in. You'd got Lukaku in for Rashford. Wingard wasn't playing and Mata was playing. Um, I think that's five. I can't remember the five or six changes. But that's a that's half your outfield team players, yeah. basically. And to be fair, some of those are maligned players like Smalling, Jones. But... And Lukaku, I thought they were all... What did you make of Lukaku? I thought he had... Uh, I, I didn't think he had a great game, to be honest. I thought mm. he, lost, he lost him. And it kind of gets swept under the carpet because we won so comfortably. But I think if, if you highlight his individual performance, it, it wasn't great. Um, we lacked that... Well, that's Rashford, I suppose. Um, he would have done a better job, I, I guess. But he gets... You know, it gets lost because we won three 0 and it would be harsh to single out a play for criticism when we've played so well as a team. But I don't, I don't think he had a great game as an uh, individual. No matter, I thought matter was quite sloppy at times as well. But again, I don't want to be too, too harsh on no, because we played well. As a they've unit. not played every. There were a couple of times, like I, I noticed. Um, from reports that I'd read. You couldn't actually see it on telly. But apparently Herrera had a real go at Lukaku a couple of times for not, you know, not chasing back and not tracking and not basically, not just not looking that interested. And it seems, seems a bit of a problem with him. In stark contrast, Martial, the transformation of Martial is like incredible. Yeah, well, have you seen Lukaku's reaction to Pogba's goal? No, what, what happened? He, um, he scored and he, he threw his arms up in the air to say, like, why didn't you pass to me and stuff? Oh, and did he? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, I think he's got it in him to be a bit dissentful and sulky. But even uh, disregarding that, I think uh, technically he wasn't great yesterday. His, his touch has been is well documented. His touch was a bit off. Um, so 
some pass, like simple passes were going astray and things like that. Uh, but you know, that that's just his performance as a team it was it was superb. Yeah, they were they were good. Matic, Herrera, Pogba. That midfield yeah. three is just flying at the minute. I, I think the thing is the problem for the likes of Sanchez and Lukaku is they're being shown up by the much younger players like Rashford and uh, and Martial. But Fulham, you know, at the start of the season they were banging the goals away. They they were struggling in defence, but now they can't even seem to get a goal either. Alex is a Fulham fan. Is is that you down? Yeah, yeah, we're gone. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> uh, there's lots of sympathy there from Jamie. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's, I think the attacking players that we've signed, they're they're good and they do look good going forward. They're not taking their chance at the moment, but defensively, it's, it's a championship defence, and like we look good going forward. And as soon as another team comes at us, we look panicking. Like Dennis Adoy just couldn't. He looked genuinely scared when Marshall was running at him. Yeah, that's that's kind of understandable because Martial was on top form yesterday. I didn't think until the Pogba goal, which came on 14 minutes, and then um, even after that, Fulham did look okay going forward, and they mm. it could easily have been one or two nil to Fulham before we even scored. Is that a problem mm. you've had all season, just not able to finish? Or yeah, it's just just not taking chances. There were games where we had well into double figures shots on targets, but we we're only only getting one goal really when you're conceding as heavily as we are it's kind of like when those teams come up like I remember when Blackpool came up for the first time they were just trying to they knew they were going to concede and they were just going to try and score as many it just seemed like defence has been like a second thought and especially with our signings in January this year it says it all that we've made three signings two are half fit and everyone is a deal to the end of the season so it's kind of looks like accepted that we're going down there was also some dissent from Fulham fans, wasn't there? When he he took someone off, I can't remember. And the, there's, there's a couple of Christie. That's right. And there's a couple of fan yeah. favourites, aren't there, on the bench? Sessignon yeah. being another one. Um, yeah. And they were, I think they were singing, "You don't know what you're doing to Ranieri." Yeah. Within the league, three, four years ago, seems a little harsh. Um, is there a yeah, movement well, to get him out, or? Well, well, there is as well. Like, I'm I'm not for them to get get behind the team as well. Because that's the thing, like. If you're booing a decision, it comes across as if you're booing the player coming on. Why does why does a player have to? Why should he try if he's getting booed before he's even stepped on the pitch? I think it was more the decision, but it did come. It wasn't a popular player that was coming on either. Um, and that's the other thing as well. They were trying chanting the whole game for Tom Kearney and Sessegnon, and Ranieri's kind of isolated a lot of players that did so well for us last year, and. It just seems a bit of a divide at the moment. There's something really not right behind the scenes, and I don't. It's worrying because I don't really know what the solution is at the moment. There's a lot um, of people calling for him to be sacked already. Yeah, it felt like that. You say they felt like there was a lot of dissent. Jamie, are you still there with us? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have you seen the reports that seem to have been for the last two, three years that United have been interested in Sessignon when he was playing at left back? Now he's on the wing. Um, yeah, he, he got. He, he got. It kind of happens a few times. Um, with players who's, who, especially British players, when they have a good run of form, um, I think back to Jack Grealish as well. He was linked with forty million pound moves after a couple of good cameos for Aston Villa. Sessegnon was great last year, but what I've seen from him in the Premier League is obviously I've not watched Fulham week in week out, just highlights. But I have seen him not get up to speed of it just as quick. But he is still. 18 I think so he's because uh, there were some calls for him to come to the World Cup and stuff which I thought was a bit 
you know, overhyping him a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure Shaw... I think Chilwell wasn't quite ready, was he, at Leicester? And Shaw was not 100% fit. And I think there, was, there were full-back problems, and he plays in that sort of wing-back role, doesn't he? Is that a worry, um, is that a worry for you, Alex, that like, you're just going to start having all your best players cherry-picked now if, if Fulham go down? Oh, pretty much. One thing I will say about Sessegnon this year is, though, he we didn't sign a left-back, and Sessegnon prominently last year has proven himself as, like a wide forward in a front three. He's not he started off as a left back. He was one of those ones where Gareth Bale started as a left back. You can't you couldn't imagine Bale playing left back now. And this year Sessignon, because of the lack of signings, has had to play at left back and also a, more of a bit part as well. So he's not really had the chance to play in a position where he's comfortable this year. Defensively, he's not actually that good. His his main skill is sort of going forward and poaching. Right, and it is. I mean, Jamie, that left the left wing is one of the few positions where we've got Rashford can play there. Obviously, Martial's made that slot his own. You can add a push put matter there, and we've got Sanchez as well. So, I mean, is there real? Do we need another left left sided forward? No, we don't, no, I don't think Sassignon would be the answer either. I think Sassignon could have got away with playing left back in the Championship last year because Fulham are an attacking team and there's not there's not much scrutiny on his defensive capabilities because there's no good at going forward last year. But it's a different, um, it's a whole different ball game when you're the defensive side for the majority of the games. So I think it's. A bit unfair to single him out uh, for criticism because um, I don't think, like uh, the Fulham fan said, it's not his natural position being a left back, but he could have got away with it in the Championship. Um, one final thing, Jamie. There have been reports in the press today. Uh, Solskjaer's representatives, or his, his agent, basically, was sat with Avram, Glazer and Woodward throughout the match. Apparently, yeah. they had a meeting. Um, do you think, I mean, it's the question everybody's getting asked all the time. Yeah. Apologies for it again. Would you take no. Would you take Solskjaer now? Do you want Solskjaer as the manager? Yeah, do I do. Just to fit the, the complete positive factor and uh, that he's brought back to the club. The, if you heard the way in yesterday, he was absolutely bouncing for 90 minutes, um, which has all season, to be fair, but there's real positivity. Um, I was really sceptical about the appointment, even till the end of the season. Uh, thinking back to his record at Cardiff uh, and that was a, an abysmal record but he can't do any more than what he's done and if he's he, I think he, he deserves a shot at it yeah I, to I totally agree I, don't, I think I'd almost I'd give it him now to just keep this positivity yeah, yeah, going to the end of the season yeah. I don't see what Pochettino can offer they were lucky today Tottenham were lucky to beat Leicester today well, it's 3-1 yeah, on paper, they, they hammered them. They did not. They, Leicester should have at least got a dry at that game, if not more. Jamie, yeah, well. Jamie, thanks very much for getting in touch with us. Alex, I'm sorry we can't offer you any sort of positive news. I mean, how, how do you <laughs> how, how do you go into it now, like, going towards the end of the season? Like, it looks like there's nothing to even fight for. You're on your way down. I don't think there's even pride there. What, mm. what, I mean, it must be so deflating as a fan. Mm. It's really frustrating as well. And I think a lot of the reason some people are calling for Ranieri to go is 
accept we're going down, get a young, progressive manager in who's going to bring back in some of these younger players. Because ultimately what you've created at the moment is you've uh, we've got people like Sherla who have already come. We're not relegated yet, but you've got people like Sherla. You can think these thoughts, but don't say them in the press. He's basically said, I'm not staying if Fulham mm. go down. What, what is the benefit of saying something like that? And you've got, basically you've created a divide. You've got all these expensive signings from the summer and all, they're, they're all going to leave. They're not going to stick around. And you've also isolated most of the team that got you up, like McDonald, Johansson, Kearney, Bettinelli, who just got in the England squad before he got dropped. What I can't, I couldn't possibly see who is going to get who's who would stick around unless if Ranieri doesn't go. I think you're going to lose the majority of your squad. Oh well, Alex, uh, all we can do is send you a big hug. <laughs> Make over it the sound radio. more sincere than that. <laughs> sorry well, about that, Alex. I'll, We're genuinely sorry. You go on. Is a uh, United United fans best fans I've seen at Craven Cottage this year. There we go. There we go. That's why we want full and sustain. <laughs> All right, Alex. I've, I've, uh, go drown your sorrows. All right, take care. <laughs> Cheers. Speak to you soon. Bye. Uh, if you're uh, in, in a similar sort of funk, if you will, as, as he is with Fulham and you want to, you know, you want to speak to us, 0345-111-7625 and you may very well be a supporter of Bolton and Bury who are having their own troubles right now. Yeah, they've got financial woes, of course. Chelsea fans, you know, they won the league so many times. There are a lot of Chelsea fans now in Manchester. You give us a call as well. You must be feeling pretty bad after being absolutely annihilated by City earlier today. Or maybe you just want to rub it in as a City fan. 87711 on the text. We can give you a call back. Or just text your opinion. At MCR Footy Social is the way to get in touch as well. And we're going to focus on all the happenings uh, with Bury and Bolton and also some very interesting and exciting news for Oldham fans. That's coming up next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Sunday to Friday, 6 till 7, XS Manchester is the place to be for all your football chat and talk back. Uh, Alex Boardman, United supporter, opposite me. Hi there, I'm McGinley, City supporter. Do you want some headlines? Let's have them. City back on top of the league on goal difference. They beat Chelsea, hammered Chelsea 6 Thrashed them, spanked them. Yeah, United beat Fulham yesterday 3-0. Uh, United are now fourth in the Champions League spot. Uh, mixed week for Bolton and Berry. They were both issued with winding up orders from the HMRC, but managed to beat them in court or get a stay of execution, rather. Still scary times. Still scary times. And Oldham um, look set to announce Paul Scholes as their manager tomorrow. Which is a bit of exciting news. How are you feeling about that, Shay? Oh, no, hang on. There we go. Sorry, Shay, I lost you there. <laughs> I completely missed your initial reaction. Let's try that again. So, how are you feeling about Paul Skull, Shay? I'm really ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly optimistic uh, now. Uh, It's it's finally over the line after many years of us thinking he's going to play for us and then loads of speculation every time a manager, uh, we lose a manager that he's going to be our manager. So it's it's done now. So that's, that's, well, tomorrow. Is it done? Is it 100% done? No, I don't want to take my chickens before the hatch or anything like that. But yeah, it's got to be now, hasn't it? Yeah, well, we're expecting an official announcement at 2pm tomorrow. The thing is, though, obviously it's great. It's a big name. It's coming there. But what managerial experience is he bringing to Oldham? You know, there must be a little bit of fear. Most recently, we've just seen this with Thierry Henry go to Monaco. He's only lasted like six or seven weeks. Um, So, I mean... 
Gary Neville yeah. in that same thing. On the other hand, Gerard, of course. Well, he's doing brilliantly yeah. with Rangers. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when you've had uh, managers at our place like Dave Penny, uh, David Dunn, Darren Kelly, uh, with their managerial pedigree, and uh, I think Darren Kelly was under sevens manager at Sunderland when we appointed him. So, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a name. It's a name. And, uh, <laughs> that can't well, yeah. under sevens manager. I, I, wouldn't be surprised, like I wouldn't be surprised if some of the motivation tactics are exactly the same, whatever age you're working with. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm sure loads of older fans were really happy about that appointment. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones you, you never know until they get in there. He, he, he didn't. He, he had a little bit of manager. He, he was backroom staff when uh, Giggs uh, was assistant, uh, not a caretaker manager. He, he was, United, yeah. I think, so. uh, he was. And um, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those ones. You know, Solskjaer coming into United uh, and before uh, and everybody was going, was he at Cardiff before? And, and everybody went, oh, he was rubbish at Cardiff, and he's come in and he's just won that near enough every game. It could, it could be one of those with Skulls. It's um, a team that he's, he's followed with his uh, with his kids as well, um, and it's nice. It's nice to have somebody who cares about the club. I think that's that's one of the main things. As well, well. The, the thing is, you have had somebody in the caretaker role that really cares about the club. We had Pete Wilde had that great win in the FA Cup. He was supposed yeah. to be going to the game. He had tickets for it and ended up going as the manager. So uh, is, is he? We, we think he's sticking around, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's one of those ones where a lot of the, uh, I'm on the forums quite a bit, and a lot of fans were going. We, we hope he didn't get the job because he seems to have done well behind the scenes of, of the youth academy and everything like that. And if you get given the job, that means that when you don't have the job, you get sacked. So uh, I think he's going back to work with the youth. I think there was talk about uh, some of the fans going to the, the mat, one of the first matches that he's back, you know, managing the youth uh, teams with uh, just to show the support as well, which would be nice. Amazing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, he's, he's done well, and um, it's one of those ones. When Frankie Bunn came, it was just sort of like, oh, you know, he, he was moved up, and um, it was. It's, it's one of those ones when you when you've got heroes coming in, you sort of like, oh, I don't want him to do rubbish, but you know, has he got any pedigree? So yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. I I, I think it's, it, from what I've, I know about uh, what people have said about Skulls, you know, one of the best midfielders of his generation, and I think Roy Keane was saying that he's, um, he's a model pro as well. I think that's. That's one of the things that we need at Latics is just sort of like sort of a bit of stability and, uh, and names nice as well. Hopefully, we've already got a young lad, um, Zach Darnley, Darnley, I think it is, uh, who scored on the weekend for us uh, from the under 23s at United. So hopefully, there's more contacts there as well. And what what do you think Skulls is going to be able to do for you this season? Because you're like what about 14th in the table at the minute? Yeah, mid table. Uh, yeah, that seems to be where we've always been, apart from the end of last season. Um, I, I, I don't. If we could get to the playoffs, I think that would be nice. But I think it's—I don't know if it's—it's it's out of our reach. Yet. It's, well, it's not over till it's over. But um, just just some kind of stability and sort of getting us sort of on an even even keel because uh, it just seems to be. Uh, I, was, I was doing research on this before. I think we've had twenty twenty since the start of the millennium. We've had twenty five managers, uh, and wow. four of those have been John. Four of, the, four of those was John Sheridan um, <laughs> who kept coming back for us. Um, so um, yeah. A bit of stability, a bit of professionalism. Um, hopefully, he's, apparently he's going to come in, and he's he's, he's asked that there's no uh, interference from uh, from behind the scenes um, because that's one of the things that our fans have been going on about that there's always been turmoil behind the scenes and stuff like that. So hopefully he's you know he's big enough of a character and a, and you know his playing career uh, sends him in such good stead that he's he's going to be allowed to just manage the team. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's mm. the press conference, of course, at two. 
And um, yeah. it, it's one of those, like, I don't know if it's an exaggeration to say eyes of the world, but you know match of the day will be sending people and BBC Sport will be all over it. Possibly yeah. Spanish media. We'll send Niall down there. That'll be We've the big thing. Niall, <laughs> We've got Niall going. He works he's our, like our sports journalist. I'll be there, Trey. Don't worry. I will be there. I'll ask all the questions you want to know. But, I mean, even that kind of thing, though, just the, the impact straight away and then... You know, it gets another thousand, another fifteen hundred through the turnstiles. You know, when he, when they play the next home game and the atmosphere's improved, and all these things make a huge difference, don't they? When you're you know you're in League Two and yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's um, you know, it's as fans, it is. It's you know, it's life and death to us. But like, it is a business as well. And sort of like you know, having somebody like Skulls there does get uh, TV cameras turning up, gets fans there. Um, and hope, hopefully we can start winning and sort of like justifying all that kind of stuff because end of the day, you know, money talks and um, you know, it'd, be, it'd be nice to get a couple of uh, United youngsters as well. Um, or, or just names, you know, a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of uh, press are going to be covering us, so that'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> in, in good terms. I think I think we should just uh, give fair warning to Shay's boss that about two o'clock tomorrow he's not going to be there, so just let him have a long lunch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Shay. Take care. Good luck Cheers with it all. Cheers, mate. Cheers. So one thing that could help them move up the table is activity at clubs above them. And one of the clubs that's been in trouble this week, even facing disappearing as a club, currently lying in third place, doing really well on the pitch, but off the pitch, Bury are in all sorts of trouble. What's going on, Niall? Yeah, to be honest, they've had a really good season football-wise. Ryan Lowe's gone in there. He used to be a player there. He, he's a he's a scouser, but it's his club. You know, he kind of found most of his success as a player at Bury, and on the pitch, he's translated that into into a slick passing side in League Two. Who are really sort of I wouldn't say they're punching above their weight. They've got some really good players over there at, at Gig Lane, and they're doing really well. However, off the field, there was a recent transition in ownership. Um, just before Christmas, a, a new chairman came in called Steve Dale, and there was lots of talks in the Berry fan forums about what that actually meant for the club, and a lot of supporters were concerned um, about why it was such a, a sort of um, quiet takeover. It wasn't blared from the rooftops mm. that this man Steve Dale's come in and he's putting all this money into the club. There were a lot of fans concerned whether financially Berry were actually stable and secure. So the previous ownership handed it over to Steve Dale, and I think he knew what he was getting himself into. It was all kind of brushed under the carpet, seemed a bit strange and a bit quiet. There was something not quite right there. And um, last week, Berry were issued two winding up, or earlier this week, I should say, issued two winding up orders in a specialist court. The judge dismissed those winding up orders and rescheduled a date for the 13th of March. We think it's a couple of debts um, that amount to between 20 and 30 grand. I think about 27 grand is the ballpark figure, which doesn't sound like a lot. But for a club down in League Two, like as you were just saying, Alex, you know, if you can get an extra 1500 through the gate, there's no TV money like there is in the Premier yeah. League. 30 grand a week is a is a week's wages for a standard Premier League for, player. For Phil Foden's probably yeah. on that with his new deal. But for League Two, that's a whole month's wage bill for managers players wow. that, that's that's a lot of money and so what what would this if this winding order went through like the judge hadn't dismissed it postponed it what would that actually mean because i know you've experienced this with being a pompey fan yeah but that's it's quite a frightening i mean i i brick it every time i get a letter from the hmrc <laughs> right and that's usually just going do your tax return or we'll find you 100 quid but this is a little more serious yeah i mean for me for my club pompey it was we owed so much money that the only way to get that money back would have been to, to wind up and liquidate the club. Thankfully, we managed to come to an agreement and, and got through the other side. For, for a club like Berry, I don't think it's that serious. 
I do think they owe money. I think every football club owes money. No, no football club makes money. They hemorrhage money. This is the thing. People think that it's great. Invest in a football club. This is why I'm struggling to see sometimes why Gary Neville and Scolzi and Nicky Butt have invested in Salford because obviously it's a project at the moment. But when they go up, they're going to need to start paying more money for better players to compete. Yeah. And, and that's when you start but hemorrhaging not, money. Not necessarily because this is exactly... We, ju we just spoke to Alex, the Fulham fan, and what Fulham did, they had the team that got them up Got, did really well in the championship, got them to the Premier League. They went out, they spent a fortune, yeah. 117 million, something like that, but a whole new team practically for the Premier League and it hasn't worked. And they, they're going down and that's going to cripple them because of the wages that they're stuck in with. Yeah, but they'll get those parachute payments, obviously, which are, which are useful. But yeah, as you yeah, say... you don't you get spend, that in League 2, do you? You don't, no get, you don't get that sort of thing. I mean, Even that's for why, yesterday, that, that's, the telly money That's why yesterday, Oldham yeah. going on a run in the FA Cup, beating Fulham or, go, you know, going up against Fulham and beating them, that's massive for them. That money's huge for them. And I don't think Scolzi will be on massive wages, but for a, for a club like Berry down in League Two, it's, it's so important to make sure you do look after your finances. What will happen, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's as serious as people are making out. It happens all the time. You get these, a lot of them are sort of, as I say, swept under the carpet. You don't really know about it. But I mean, it happens all the time and it's, it just shows how much money plays a part in the modern, modern game. So the same thing's happened this week with Bolton Wanderers and the figure there seems to be a lot higher. Yeah. Bolton though, you know, one of like the founder members of the league, you know, one of the traditionally, yeah. the, the great sides in English football. Um, what do you, do you know anything about the Bolton one? I don't know so much about that one, but what I do know is it is a mess. So, I mean, it's really hard to get your head around. I obviously. mean, this, this has been running on yeah. and on because we've yeah. had so many news stories about, oh, the wages haven't been paid, yeah. they put money in, they have paid, it hasn't gone through. And, and I mean, on the pitch, I mean, at least for a Bury, you're seeing your team doing really well. It looks like if both teams can keep going, they will meet each other next season because yeah. Bolton look in real trouble yeah. on the pitch as well. But off the pitch... Yeah, absolutely. And and the the club, as you said, that wages were unpaid for players before Christmas. There was that whole thing with the player they had on loan from Forest Green called Christian Deutsch, who they ended up having to pay his wages um, or they weren't paying his wages. So they had to get a loan from the PFA to play pay at players' wages. Ken Anderson's the chairman there. The supporters don't like him. There was a protest before a home game a couple of weeks ago where they all stood outside the ground and protested against Ken Anderson, the owner. He said he can't afford to run Bolton Wanderers and he's looking for a new owner. But if it's a mess behind the scenes, who's going to take it on? Who's yeah, going to exactly. buy it? Who's going to buy it off of Anderson if he's come out and said well, it's a mess? And what, hap what happened at Pompey was the fans did. So, like, people that are listening now, Bolton Wanderers fans, their the family, they've had season tickets, they've been through generations, and they live and breathe Bolton. Is there anything that they can do at this stage to help save the club? Well, invest in your local, in, in your supporters' trust. If the membership's a tenner, pay the tenner. It's it's such a simple thing, but there's so there's so so much safeguard in there that can be done. If if you, if your local supporters club is a tenner or your supporters trust is a tenner, stick your tenner in there. If it's twenty quid, just pay it because you never know in football what might happen. When you're in the Premier League, like my club was, you you don't expect to go bust. You don't expect to go out of business. It's never happened since a Portsmouth, a Portsmouth a Premier League club going into administration, and I don't think it will happen again. But you never know in football. You're always at risk. So yeah, 
I, I suggest do that and, and also listen to the EFL and Below Show podcast as well from the from the Football Social where we talk about all this in, in greater detail. Well, speaking of podcasts, we're going to talk a little bit more about this on the podcast. So it, you just look for Manchester Football Social and you can find that there on your podcast player. There's also a dedicated United one, which Alex occasionally pops up for, mm-hmm. on. Just look for Manchester United Football Social and the Manchester City Football Social. Uh, Jim is here tomorrow with Statman Dave and Steve McInerney uh, and they'll be here from six uh, uh, as usual and we're here every week ex- every every day of the week except Saturday all I've got to say uh, before we go is 6-0 lovely Nine, ninth time this season that City have scored more than five goals I'm a very happy man I hope you've had a good day as well and uh, come and check out some more on the podcast next Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show we're going to have to do some extra bits. We, d- we didn't play a game today. We used to usually like to play a game at the end, but it just seems completely the wrong day to be doing that, especially with all that's been happening. I, I tell you what, what you could have done is you could have done when you said that, is, the, is it the, the ninth time City have scored six or more? This, five or more this five season. Five or more. You could have done like, oh, can you guess the other... The other nine, uh, the other eight times. All right, Can't then go on, Stato. Oh my God, Burton's one. Burton was the nine. Uh, Huddersfield. Uh, Rotherham, we did seven. Huddersfield. Yeah, uh, like the first Huddersfield game because it was three 0 not long ago. Yeah, uh, let me ago. let me let me just check now. I see. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think three. I think I can get three. So you got Rotherham, Burton, Chelsea's obviously included. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to guess Huddersfield. Oh, who else did you? Beat? Huddersfield was five one at did home. You, yeah. Did you beat someone in the Champions League? Um, I've not prepped. You see, this is it. Is it scored five I, or won by five? Uh, scored five or more in a game. Yeah. So I think um, Burnley the, twice. Because it was a game where, where Burnley twice, once in the but, FA Cup, once in the league. Very good. Oh, I'm good at this. Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I don't know how many that is. So it's Chelsea, two Burnleys. Yeah. Uh, Burton, Rotherham, Huddersfield. That's six. So I need another two more. Oh. Yeah, we'll do that. We we'll work it out. Whatever. All right. So. The thing we were just talking about then, which was, it's, it's quite frightening because you said it, it's not happened to a Premier League club and it probably won't happen again. But the fact is, there's a lot of people that support clubs that aren't mm. Premier League. And let's yeah. be fair, you know, it's a dream for them to get to the Premier League that they may never realise. Sure. The scary thing is, is that it happens a lot to football clubs. And the, and, and, and the thing is, in the lower leagues, that they're struggling just, mm. to, just to sort of keep things ticking over. Uh, they've got, e- even though their wages are relatively small by comparison, yeah. um, it's still a high percentage of their income and turnover. Um, how is this still happening in modern football, especially when we keep talking about investing money back in grassroots football? And it's obviously very heavy weighted at the top, and you get those parachute payments if you drop out of the league. Mm. But why is it still that these clubs are struggling? Is it just really bad management? Yeah. I think ownership has a massive part to play. I think the fit and proper owners test, the amount of owners that we had at Portsmouth that wouldn't have even passed the citizenship test, yet a fit and proper owners test is, is absolutely staggering. And you can see it across the leagues now. I mean, Blackburn had it not long ago with the Venkies that weren't happy with their owners. That seems to have settled down a little bit now. Blackpool voting with their feet. They're not turning up to their home games. Mm-hmm. I saw a really sort of sombre picture of a Blackpool supporter stood outside of Bloomfield Road looking through a gap in the stand um, from outside the ground. You know, like where they have um, 
they have to have gates so that the emergency services yes. can get in. He was looking through one of them with his orange and white scarf on and he could see the Blackpool players celebrating in, in front of the corner flag. They just scored a goal, but that was the only part of the pitch he could see. But he refused to pay his money and go into that stadium because he's that annoyed with the owners of his football club because they're not running the club properly. So I think this happens more often than not. And it's so sad. Leighton Orient had it as well. They dropped out of the league. Yeah. And then, you know, their owner, the, the I can't remember the guy's name, the Italian fella, had to sell the club and they fought him out and it was that bad and it's just like why should a football club be treated in that way because it is a business yes I totally agree and I understand the operational side of a business having worked for one or two football clubs but at the same time it's there's so much more emotional investment in in a football club I mean it's people's livelihood it's it's their lives a lot of people would dedicate their entire lives to a football club it's not just people's jobs it's not like okay you're being made redundant or the club's going to run out of money I mean, you can't just go down the road and support someone else it doesn't work like that Imagine if your club gets liquidated and, and wound up. You can't just go and support someone else. Imagine if you're a Manchester United fan and Manchester United, for whatever reason, ended up going out of business. They're not going to go down the road and support Liverpool or they're not going to go down the road and support Manchester City. It just doesn't work like that. It's just it's just something about the fabric of the way football in this country is that owners are allowed to get away with absolute blind murder. And it's it's shocking. I'm, it I'm just thinking about it as well. When There's only maybe three clubs that I can think of across the whole football league where you would say that the fans are really happy with the ownership, right? So obviously, you know, City fans are very happy at the minute with everything that's happened over the last few years and you can completely understand why, okay? There there are some question marks over that, but we won't go into that now. I'm thinking Newcastle, Mike Ashley. They don't like him, do they? Uh, United with the Glazers. Don't like them. Uh, Stan Kroenke. Don't like uh, yeah, them. don't like them. You know, so he's, uh, you're looking at Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, I mean, really, Leicester. Leicester, yeah. so much love for mm. Vichai. Yeah, uh, sure. and, 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 and that's being passed on to his son as well and for that whole family. But how many other clubs can you name where you say the, the, entire, the entire fan base really support the ownership of it? Barely any. So is it a broken system then? It's got to be. I mean... What makes a good owner? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. What makes a good owner of a football club? Because fans, fundamentally, every fan wants to win trophies and be the best football team they can be. They want to, they want to see their side be successful. And to do that in a modern football environment, you have to chuck money at it. Now, if an owner doesn't do that, they're either seen as having a lack of ambition. And then if they do do it and it goes belly up, then they're seen as being foolish and that the club's going to run out of money. And, and so what actually makes a good owner? I mean, as a football club owner, I think you're, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But it's a hell of a lot easier to be on the, err on the side of the caution and yeah. be the good guy than it is to try and play the villain. Because but there, I think you're going to get shot down. There is a possibility that we're in a season now and, and you know, United fans don't want Liverpool to win it and City fans certainly don't want Tottenham to win it. But Tottenham could be in a position where they could go on and win the Premier League potentially it's it's not beyond the bounds of reasonable yeah. but they haven't spent any money in the transfer window this window and the last window and their net spend is ridiculously small over the past couple of seasons so you know it's not necessarily obviously they've spent a lot of money on a stadium Building and all those other ground, things that yeah. have gone on mm. um but the how how do you kind of police that because the problem that i have with this is ever since i fell in love with football and I've been a big football fan. What's crept in and has come time and time again has been this phrase that you're told, it's good for business. And that is used for a number of things. Why are we moving grounds? It's good for business, right? Why are we selling our best player? It's good for business, right? Why are, are, are we bringing out yet another kit? 
It's good for business. Why? All these different reasons, it's good for business. Yet, it's almost seen as a blank excuse for everything. Yet, what we're faced with is the fact that the business is just not being done, either the business is not being done correctly, or that is the wrong reason to be doing these things. I'll tell you what is a really interesting one. Arsenal played on Sunday. Just gone. Not this one, the one before. Yeah. Super Bowl was on. Do you reckon Stan Kroenke even knew there was an Arsenal game? Because he's a big NFL fan. I think he was at the Super Bowl. He was Bowl. at the, he actually focused the cameras on him at one point do in you there. Think, do, you think he, do you think he gave the monkeys about the Arsenal result? Yeah, well, he... He owns the club or he, he's the majority He owns shareholder. seven different sports clubs. He has a franchise of so, sporting things. Do you think he cares about Arsenal Football Club? I don't. I think he cares, but not to the extent he should care because it means more to a lot of people's lives than that man realises. And he's probably off away on his golf course somewhere playing 18 holes with a nice pint of beer when he finishes and a nice free course lunch. He's not bothered. As long as Arsenal is ticking over and, and not making money but is operational, it's 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 a sort of a chess piece in his chessboard. That's all it is. But this is, this is the problem. What What's happened is at some point the club's been handed over or given over or sold out or sold on and then each time that happens, it loses that connection. Now, when you work with the smaller clubs, so I used to work at Real Football Club in the Welsh Premier League when yeah. I lived up in Bangor, and I, I used to get on and do the match announcing every day, and, and, and it was just brilliant to be a part of that. And the place like that, you, not just you, but the fans are in first name terms with everybody yeah. that works there. Right, and the you know the executive box was a porter cabin at one end, <laughs> right, just behind the stand, right, and uh, it had a fridge. That's what made it the executive, the box. But you know everybody there did multiple jobs. People had job titles, Absolutely. but you didn't just do one thing; you did three or four things, mm. and you had that incredible access to the players as well. You know, the, 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 there wasn't the big separation that you see, and so it felt like family and you're really that yes it's really that and that's a big part of it but i I guess what's happened is as these clubs grow and move up their leagues that's lost and are we are we just banging this drum about it and saying you know this is not football but are we fighting a losing battle as fans I think so. I think it's really sad to see as well. But I mean, there is hope in in the like of Exeter City, who are fan owned. Portsmouth were fan fan owned. When we finally wrestle back control of Pompey, then to to vote to give it away to to an owner, Mister Eisner, who used to own Disney, of course, the American fellow who now owns Portsmouth, to be, to to actually make that decision to to hand the reins back over to someone else, you get this catch twenty two in football where. When the fans own the club, it's brilliant. You know you're in protect. You know you're protected. You know that the best interests of the club are fundamentally at heart of the people running it, if they are supporters. But there's only so far you can go without corporate or without severe investment. And fans will get to the point where they get bored, or they think we should be challenging for a trophy. We should be focusing on moving our way up the leagues. That can't be done without significant investment because mm. to get the best players, you need to pay the best money and you need to pay the best wages. And fan-owned football clubs aren't going to be able to afford to do that. And it's just the way the fo- that football is. And I think Blackpool would probably say, right now, supporters would say, if we had control of the club, the Blackpool Supporters Trust had control of the club, we would sacrifice never being in the Championship or the Premier League again. I think right now they would snap your hand off and say, yep, give us control of our club. We can run it, but we'll never play Championship or Premier League again. Mind you, after 10 years of supporter ownership, 
I bet they'd start thinking, right, this is terrible. We need, we're Blackpool. We need to be in the Championship. We need to be in the Premier League. They'll have ambitions. So it's finding yeah. that happy medium between the two things. I suppose it's you, really you always want more. And I, I suppose that is a comparison on the, the football inside of it at the minute is Leicester City and Claude, Claude Puel, yeah. who's, who's doing really well. He's got some great results against the big sides, came to City and beat them. And, and um, the, the fans want him out. And the fans seem to be more vocal about him going out than Everton fans are about Marco Silva. It's, 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 it, it, so, uh, but then at the same time, we, we are, as fans as a body, we're raw emotion, absolutely. right? When, when you're at a ground, that's you, you get caught up in the moment and it's just the thousands of you all together and you're feeling everything, every goal, every red card, every miss, you feel it and it's raw and it's emotion and that's how you go. And you, you're not thinking about that. And, and that's, it's like being in a relationship. It's you love hard and you hurt hard. Yeah. And and the, I think the the issue is, I, I guess at the minute, obviously we're in a very luxurious position as City fans, speaking as one myself. But we've had Sheikh Mansour come in and buy the club, and he's been there for coming into eleven years now, since Sheikh Mansour came in. And um, there's nothing stopping him just suddenly going, okay, I've had enough, I'm going to sell on and leave it. And we 100%. don't know where that will go. Exactly, and it's 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 the classic saying. You don't know what you've got until it's gone. So for us, in the Premier League, we were loving life, brilliant. We won the FA Cup. We got into Europe. We played AC Milan. This is Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah. And then, within a year, we had been deducted nine points, relegated from the Premier League, nearly liquidated, lost all of our players. Then in the season after, we stayed up just. The season after that, we got a 10-point deduction, relegated from the Championship, and then we had a double relegation. We ended up in League Two. So in five years, we went from winning the FA Cup and being in Europe to being in League Two, nearly going out of the Football League because the money ran out, the manager left, we had to sell our best players to keep the club afloat, and that's, that's, that's how quickly it can change. I remember thinking Portsmouth are now a solid, staple Premier League club. And now there's kids that I've met who say, Portsmouth, who are they? What, what division are they in? And I think, oh my goodness me, it was only 10 years ago we were in the Premier League and look how different it can be. But so I, there's nothing, like you say, there's nothing no. stopping, you know, Sheikh Mansour going, well, I've had enough here. I'm going to go and invest in someone else. I don't think he will. But if that's the case, you, you can't, yeah. there's no, there's no, um, and, and how hopefully, do you defend against that? Yeah, hopefully, even if he does, the investment that we've had in, in the transformation that we've seen at Eastlands as well yeah. and the infrastructure that's there oh. and everything that's gone through the whole development of City will will stay as a legacy to that but then just you, you telling the story then I was smiling and I was smiling because actually you know that's part of the drama of football 100%. and it's part of what we love and in the same way that you know I'm sure there was Chelsea fans today watching that game, even at 3-4-0 thinking come on 4-0 at time See, we could come back we could come back and there's that there's that thing. Is it the hope that kills you? It is. but I, And you know what? That makes me think of VAR because emotion and talking points are what makes football tick. And VAR, for me, it's professional sport. You need to make sure you get the right decisions. You know, it's people's livelihoods, their jobs on the line. You know, if a goal goes in and it was offside, it might cost someone their job. A team might get relegated because of it. It might be financially have a huge impact. But at the same time, football fans hold grudges. You think, oh, remember that time where Team XYZ scored an offside goal against yeah. us and it cost us a place in the I mean, playoffs? How, how many and, people feel that about I mean, England, Germany and Frank Lampard? 100%. Imagine if a goal was scored in the 95th minute of a Wembley Cup final and you can't celebrate because you're stood there in the crowd, you're waiting for the referee to blow his whistle and point. But, it's not yeah, the same but the, but celebration. Then, but then the, what's happened is, in the same way that we've let business in, right? we've let technology in. 
And that's coming through gold line technology, first of all, and all those other things. And there's the genie is out of the bottle. And this yeah. is the thing. And it's Where'd changing. But it's changing and it's evolving. And in some ways, that's a good thing. So, you know, the backpass rule, I think 99% of people would say that's a brilliant rule to have brought in. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, the, the game changes, it evolves, it moves on. The fact that there's more protection for more skillful players is undoubtedly a good thing. Mm. The fact that you can now be booked, although they don't get it right, for diving is a good thing. You know, it's moving forward, it's evolving, it's developing, yeah. and we can't hold on to the past and it's changing. No, I, I, I can agree with that. And I do see why VAR is being brought in. I just personally don't like it. I like goal line technology because it's instant. It's almost flawless. It's not 100% guaranteed, but certainly the success rate is, is reasonably high. So if the ball goes over the yeah. line, it's a goal. With VAR, it's still subjective because you're walking over to, to a TV and then... You know, it's it's the decisions not made just by you, but it's by a referee sat in a truck in Stockley Park in London. And I just think VAR dredges the game a little bit in terms of its quality and its enthusiasm and its passion. But that's, if anything, surely, you know, those kinds of technologies and decisions are more complicated than just making sure that a, that a football club is being run correctly. And that is where we started on this. And this is where we are. So are we saying that, you know, it, it's not going to happen or maybe we just need a better technology that does that. All I would say is instead of thinking about technology and VAR and whether we should be putting VAR in Premier League, putting VAR in the FA Cup, figuring out whether it's a foul for a penalty, why not spend that money on actually making sure that the fit and proper owners test for football clubs is as rigorous and as thorough as it can be? Because at the end of the day, the fans that filter down through the leagues, I'm talking about those fans in, in League Two that support Bury, that support Oldham, League One, Bolton in the Championship. I'm talking about these these fans that are suffering and yet they're seeing the, the riches of the Premier League the financial difference between League One and the Championship is staggering between the Championship and the Premier League is even more staggering the amount of money that's going around in these these different pots it's it's being spent on players a lot of the time to be perfectly honest rather than being spent on something which is more important which is the welfare of our football clubs and our our football league structure fundamentally is is a massive part of the culture of this country and if that gets taken away from us but because of dodgy owners I mean look at some of that I mean Wimbledon they went bust. They went bust. What happened to them? I mean, smaller clubs, I'm thinking Darlington, they were a football league club. They went bust. Halifax, the same. Rushton and Diamond's the same. Now, they might all be small teams. I think, oh, no one cares about them. But, but I guarantee for all the people... shot as well. But like you said, real. I guarantee for the people that work for those clubs, that would have absolutely heartbroken them. It might not mean a lot to someone who supports a team like Chelsea or Arsenal or Leicester or whoever, but someone like a Rushton and Diamonds fan or someone who worked for the club to be told that it's not going to exist anymore it is the most it's the most pain you can feel as a football fan it's the worst feeling and in, in a world. sense isn't that just a ridiculous concept to say because really all it is is about getting a bunch of people together to kick a ball around yeah. and having a place to play yep. right and most of us do that at some point whether it's five a side or whether it's uh, going on a Sunday league or at the weekend wherever it is or your kids play you know we, we, we have that and so at its heart that's what the game is yeah. anyway uh, we could talk about this for ages. And it's the kind of thing we do talk about on the EFL and Below podcast. Yeah, certainly do. EFL and Below show, uh, just search Manchester Football Social wherever you find your podcast and you'll find the EFL and Below show dedicated to everything outside of the Premier League. So no prawn sandwiches here, Rand. We're talking proper football. No. And that, no Non-league, that... National League North, Stockport, Curzon Ashton, Ashton United, FC United. We're also in the latest podcast talking about Berry, talking about Salford City and a few other bits and pieces. So all thoroughly covered in the show. So go and download it. 
part of the reason for that, the prawn sandwich thing, is because I'm vegan, like Chris Smalling. <laughs> and yes. this this has come out this weekend. He's he switched his diet. He's, he's gone vegan. He's followed my example. He's obviously gone, I want a physique like that man. But the interesting thing about that is he's talked about how it's really improved his recovery. There's a lot of vegan footballers down in League 2 and League 1. There's a lot. And I know a few of them. Um and they swear by it and they think that it really does help. I mean, look at... Look well, at, when you say you swear by it, they go, oh, sh- I really miss meat. They, I, I don't think they do. I think um, one started as a pescatarian, one footballer I know started as a pescatarian, uh, has now become a vegan and there's a few of them and it's sort of become a um, sort of a get-together sort of thing where there's two or three vegans in the squad and they'll go out and have food together and it's good bonding. Yeah, Forest it's, Green Rovers is often hailed as a vegan club except not all the playing staff are vegan. Uh, I think there's a severe fine if you do get caught eating non-vegan food. I heard some of the yeah. Forest Green players used to sneak out to McDonald's and get cheeseburgers yeah. after training. You, can, you, you can't eat on the on the uh, on the premises, but at home you can eat kind of what you want. I think that's the thing. Well, I don't think there's yeah. much regulation for no, that. Okay. Can you imagine Dale Vince putting cameras in people's homes? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're, we're bringing it back to ownership and technology. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there, but thanks very much for joining us. Um, uh, Alex was here earlier. That's Niall. I'm Ant, and this was the Manchester Football Social, the Sunday show. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, please get in touch. You can get your views on the show. Uh, It's here Sunday to Friday between six and seven. Go and follow us on uh, Twitter at MCR Footy Social. Thanks again for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.